there's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice up with an open net. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. Yeah, it is Minnesota Sports Chat. Quick scan of my notes, edition number 153 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Judd Zolgad in just moments on the Vikings, some gopher hoops and hockey, Maybe a few other topics in between as well. A reminder, please rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. If you are listening to Minnesota Sports Chat in the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I do encourage you to find Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get podcasts and make sure you subscribe that way. But no matter how you are listening, I certainly appreciate it. And please tell your family and friends all about Minnesota Sports Chat. My thanks as well to Beans Coffee Company for partnering with this show and getting behind it. Please, please, please make sure you subscribe to their email newsletter so you know all about everything that's happening at Beans Coffee Company, including new releases, discounts. Use that promo code SPORTSCHAT to save a little bit of money at checkout on your bulk order or even if you're purchasing by the bag. Coffeebybeans.com coffeebybeans.com promo code sports chat for beans coffee company mr zolgat how you doing what's going on roscoe i'm doing good how are you you know i am living the dream mainly because i I get to see you off and on each and every week that's me buttering you up mondays also uh great hoodie you're wearing right now oh is that a new one yeah it's a it's a new twins one okay Yep, yep, yep. My wife doesn't like it, but it's very comfortable. It. What's the pattern? And if you're finding Minnesota Sports Chat on YouTube, you'll see what I'm talking about. Is that like clouds? What is that? No idea. Yeah, I, it looks like them. I mean, it's what dark blue with. Yeah, it's a good question. It's like, like tie dye, maybe faded yeah, tie dye. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I think you're right. I think it's tie dye. I also it's very comfortable. Very, very comfortable. I love Judd, and I think I'm just going to stop calling you Judd. I'm just going to start calling you Sports Dad. I love that that's what your handle here on the old uh, video yeah, setup I, says, and that's what you are. Well, and I put that on there, and like dur- during uh, Purple Daily, and Mackie and Judd, Declan hides that so you can't see it. <laughs> but yeah, I just put Sports Dad. I like to have it up. Uh, you just uh, did a good intro for yourself, much better than I did because I didn't even give you one. Judd Zolgad from Score North. Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily. You're doing some Vikings writing too, Judd. Do you want to plug that really quickly? Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you, Russ. Uh, Vikingswire.com. Vikingswire.com. Uh, it's Tyler Fornis, uh, Matt Anderson. It's me. It's a group of about four or five. And uh, the, the site uh, 
thanks to the Vikings, of course, because they're never dull. The site has <laughs> taken off and is doing some uh, big hits. But yes, I am doing my columns now have shifted from uh, the old score north.com to vikingswire.com. I appreciate you giving me that chance. Yeah, I finally met Tyler and Matt both in person a, a few weeks back, actually, over at Thor's place. Well, it must have been about a month and a half ago now that I think about it because we were watching. College football, the big Kansas bowl game against a oh, uh, big college football. Guys. It was a big one. I, it's not... so big. I don't remember which game it was. I think the Liberty bowl. Maybe I can't remember a couple yeah, of six no and six squads putting on a, putting on a show for us. Okay. Sports dad. Let's start with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I think Judd, I, I think everybody is, I don't know if aesthetics the right word, but I think everybody's happy with Brian Flores, but mm-hmm. humor me with this. Okay. Okay. I think for one season, Brian Flores is going to be great. I don't know if the defense is going to be great, but if they're going to be bad, at least I think there's a plan. But I also yep. don't think they can be worse than last year. So I think they'll be better. Mm-hmm. But, but if he does a pretty good job, he's probably only here for a season. So right. to be contrarian or play devil's advocate, is Brian Flores really the right defensive coordinator for the long term? Or is this another sign again from KOC, Quasi, and the Wilfs? Long term be damned, we're going all in on trying to win again in 2023. Well, so here's the I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it. And yes, I think. If Brian Flores has any semblance of success with a defense that was um, atrocious with Ed Donatel as DC, and f- furthermore, if his lawsuit against three teams in the league goes away, which I think it will by this time next year, probably, um, he's probably one and done. And it would not be ideal if there were other candidates who they could have gotten and they passed over. Um, Ijiro Vero, the guy that I think was their guy, he's the guy that they wanted. Um, released from his contract by Sean Payton, I think on Saturday in Denver. And then a guy who knows O'Connell and Quazy and who was supposed to talk to the Vikings early this week. And then Ivero takes the Carolina job. He also might be in line for a head coach. I don't know that he's the slam dunk that Brian Flores is though. I, I think Brian Flores, because he's been there before, actually did a pretty damn good job with the Dolphins. Um, I would, I said exactly what you said. And I don't disagree with it, but once Averro took a job and once Sean Desai pulled out and said that he was going to either go back to Seattle or focus on the Broncos job, I guess my question is this, what were the choices? Because if Brian Flores had gotten the Cardinals head coaching job, which he, I'm guessing he was told he wasn't going to, but he supposedly called them on Sunday or Monday and said, I'm not going to go back for a second interview with the Cardinals on Wednesday. If Brian Flores had gotten another job, or just declined to take the Vikings job, you would have been left with Mike Pettin, a second list of guys. Right. But but my point is, I totally get where you're coming from, and I think Ivero was their first choice. But given where they stood on Sunday when Ivero, I don't know, sight unseen is probably not fair, but when Ivero took the Panthers job, um, I think Brian Flores became, uh, became a home run hire because the choices beyond that were not exactly attractive. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And so I, I get your point. Yeah, and at some point, I mean, you, you play the hand that you're dealt, and that may have been the hand that they were dealt, which, by the way, 
it, it's it's a pretty good hand to have in your hand. That was a very bad way of putting that, but you know what I mean. Um, when I think of Flores, you think of a guy that blitzes a lot. I think last year, they uh, his defense is, or maybe just historically, you might know the number, you might have it in front of you. The Dolphins two years ago, yes, I think, they, led the league, yep. or, or they were second. Yeah, they blitz like 40% of the time. No, and the time. even if the Vikings chose to blitz 10% of the time next year, that's going to look night and day compared to this past season with Ed Donatel. Right, but John. Then I start looking at it, and I know Purple Daily has done a lot of this. So obviously, download, subscribe, rate, review Purple Daily as well. When you look at the type of defense that he wants to run, but the players that are currently on the roster, you immediately start thinking, okay, who is Brian going to want back next year? Yep. But then also, what? Not even we don't even need to name names, but what types of players are they going to be looking for in free agency? What types of players can they even afford in free agency? Yep. And what types of players might they want to be drafting? But first and foremost, it's the current players on your roster. Now that you know who the defensive coordinator is, yep. when you think of those aging players, Judd, who stays and who goes? Um, I think I'll ask him to take a pay cut, but I think Harrison Smith stays. Um, he is... He, is no longer as fast. Obviously, he's 34, or he will be 34, I think, next season. But if you look at what he brings, and if you look at how poorly he, he was used by Donatel, um, this is a guy who is most effective when he's allowed to come down into the box, when he is allowed to blitz. And, you know, the whole shell coverage called for the safeties to stay deep, which was ridiculous. So I think Harrison Smith ultimately stays. Um, after that, I think cornerback, and this is the scary thing, and I, I do think that there's a very good chance that their one significant signing in free agency will be at cornerback, not on the offensive side of the ball. But I think because you need three starters there, and I'll explain. Outside corners, yes. But, you know, Shannon Sullivan was not good at the nickel corner, and that is essentially in 2023 a starting job. So I think you'd probably spend on a corner. I think the current corner's, well, I, Patrick Peterson, who is a free agent, is gone because he is a zone coverage guy. I think he expressed disappointment about Donatel being fired because he liked the system, yeah, not because it yeah. was good. And the Giants actually, as the Vikings began to play more man late in the season, in the Giants playoff game, Patrick Peterson got picked on more because of that. I think the linebackers both have to be gone. Kendricks and Hicks. It saves you money, and they're slow. Well, I was Brian, just going to say that, Judd, not to cut you off, but they're too slow. I mean, they're, yeah, Bri- they're slow Brian for Asamoah, almost any system. Brian Asamoah should have been playing more. And look, he had 27 snaps in the Christmas Eve game against the Giants. His snaps, I think before that Giants game, before we got really late in December, Brian Asamoah had double-digit snaps at linebacker in a game, I think, once. Um, I, I don't even think he got a um snaps consistently or at all i shouldn't say consistently at all until like week six so by the time we get to to the playoff game brian asamoa before he got hurt i think it was on punt coverage in the first half zero snaps that's ridiculous so i think brian asamoa gets a chance to win a job i think he will make mistakes but i think he will bring speed which will help a lot dalvin tomlinson's a free agent that's a big one because that's a that is a three tech spot are you going to bring him back? Like, you got to do something there. Uh, Daniil Hunter, I think, gets a, a new contract. Zadarius Smith, you could argue it both ways, but I don't think with where he is health-wise, 
I don't think that's a deal breaker if he if he you don't bring him back. But you know, Daniel Hunter, if you look at the advanced metrics and you look at the fact that he had 10 and a half sacks, Ross, and you then think about that you didn't see him at times, but yet all of the advanced metrics said he's playing well. I'm trying to think of another guy in town, in sports, in this town, who the eye test and the and the analytics have ever been so far apart. Because I thought at times Daniel Hunter was having a bad year. And yeah. you look at PFF. They're like, no, he's not. He was that misused that he still overcame it. But I think he's back. I think the linebackers are gone. I think Harrison Smith is back. And here's what I want to see, though. Day one at training camp, Lewisine is playing, okay? Yes. Lewisine can yep. play. You know, don't give me this. Well, Karen Bynum, uh, he emerged. He's so smart. Lewisine should be, if he's anything, and he's a first-round pick, he should be a dream in what this scheme calls for. Aggressiveness, speed, hard-hitting. So I think you should be set day one of training camp. Harrison Smith and Scene at safety. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, the injury when you talk about Scene, uh, obviously that ended up derailing this year, but that had nothing to do with him not playing early. When Correct. You, when you look at Booth, and or Booth Jr., you yep. know, that one to me is a little bit different. You drafted a guy with an injury history, but I think you were going you were going on upside there. But for Booth, I, I 100% agree with you, Judd. He needs to be playing. And then also go back, and you can do this every year. Look at the 30, 31 guys that went in front of him. Far too many guys played last year and made impacts, and he just didn't for multiple mm-hmm. reasons. One, he was injured. Two, they never put him on the field. So, right. yeah, I think he absolutely has to play. The Daniil Hunter thing is very interesting, Judd, because he had double-digit sacks in a new system. It, it seemed to be slow to take for him, and they also had him out in coverage. That guy shouldn't be covering anybody. If he if he has to, there's a mistake, something happens, okay, I get it. But to design plays within your scheme where an elite pass rusher isn't doing what he does best is yeah. just stupid, and I don't think... That Ed Donatell is dumb. He's had jobs forever in the NFL. But I do think he's stubborn, and it cost him dearly this year. He didn't know what he was trying to install. And we didn't know that because he came from, and, and I, I mean, this goes up to uh, Quazy and Kevin O'Connell. They assumed that he was going to install the Fangio system. But, you know, keep in mind, he had the D.C. title in Denver, but that was, that was the equivalent of the guys here that had the D.C. title with Zimmer. They weren't the defensive coordinators. They were assistants who helped out. So um, the Donatel hire didn't work. It was, but I think Flores can. And yeah, the issue with, if you are going to have Daniil Hunter drop back into coverage, it needs to be a zone blitz where he's replaced by, you know, a safety coming, right? Or a cornerback coming. You can't just have him drop back into coverage. So this was a disaster. The personnel was not great. They need to move on from some of that. But I also think Brian Flores being far more creative. And the, the nice thing, too, Ross, is we know his system. Like with Donatello, yes, we're like, history. okay, I assume he's going to do what Fangio did. And then he doesn't. And you're like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Um, you know, three years of coaching the Dolphins, that was Flores' baby. That was his defense. And so at least we know, fail or not, that he's going to run what we think he's going to with Donatel, and this is why I would have fired him in November, it became apparent that he was essentially trying to make up what he believed should work. 
and didn't really have a clue what would work. Yeah, and also Judd, and, and you know, not to hammer him, he's gone, it's done, it's it's over with. But y- you can only try and run your system so long before you realize it's not working, and then you just right. have to adapt with the talent that you have. And he never wanted, how many times did we hear, it's not, it's not necessarily the system, it's the players not adapting to the system. He, I can't imagine that goes over in the locker room very well. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't think you can say that in today's NFL. Late in the season, he was still saying it was going to take Daniil Hunter a full year. No, it doesn't. That's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever heard. If that's the case, then you need to adjust what you are doing. This this is not on, on, on a guy who had 10 and a half sacks and is a multi-time Pro Bowl player. I, and look, after the Detroit game, at Detroit that the Vikings lost, he should have, Ed should have been fired because O'Connell teed off as much as he ever will on anybody publicly. He essentially said, I, you know, I told him we need to be more aggressive and, and Ed did it for a game. And then by the playoffs said the players are taking control. This is going to be great. And of course they got, you know, embarrassed again, defensively by Daniel Jones and the giants who then got embarrassed by Philadelphia so, yes, um, I think it's a very good change. And I will say by the time, if they if they hadn't gotten Brian Flores, I think we'd all be very disgruntled right now because it would be Mike Patton yep. or a name or a name we had never heard of previously. Judd, is Harrison Smith, I think I've asked you this before, but if I have, it's been a while. Harrison Smith, an NFL Hall of Famer? I think he is. Is he going to be when he hangs it up? I think he's close, yeah. Like I, I mean, consider the position, safeties, Matt, you know, they're they're not a slam dunk, but he's close. He's always he's, ar- he's always around. You know what's going to hurt him? It's going to hurt him if he doesn't have a ring. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what, Judd? I'm a I'm a faith believing man. If he plays till he's 150 for the Minnesota Vikings. He well, might get a Super Bowl ring. He might get a ring in Baltimore or something at the end. <laughs> you know, situational guy. And then if he gets the ring, he's probably in Canton. Isn't it amazing across all sports how that makes such a huge difference? It maybe it yeah. maybe some sports more so than others it should. Maybe it shouldn't, but it is kind of funny how we tack on these things that you know, baseball for years you had to have five hundred home runs. Remember we didn't want to put Fred McGriff in the Hall of Fame because he had four hundred and ninety one. And I'm like, so then the cheaters came along. Correct. And then the cheaters came along. Uh, One one more quick thing on the Vikings. Then we'll talk some go for sports. Uh, You mentioned all the basically defensive coordinators in name only that worked under Mike Zimmer. How involved is Wes Phillips? I get the sense that Wes is actually fairly involved. KOC is still doing the play calling, but. Right. I get the sense that Wes is not just a figurehead. Is that fair, or is he basically just kind of there because he's there and you need an offensive coordinator? No, I think he has input. I think he definitely helps with game planning and things like that. But, you know, it's always questionable, and we don't know when, when a guy is the assistant and has um, a title for a coach who does the work, right? Like, like O'Connell you know, was McVay's OC, but we all knew McVay ran the show. And so, you know, I, I, I don't want to denigrate Wes, but I don't know for sure. Um, the one thing that we know is ordinarily coaches whose, whose expertise is on one side of the ball are control freaks. 
So I think Wes probably helps. I think Wes probably has suggestions. But do I think if they did disagree that O'Connell defers a lot? Probably not. It's not how football coaches work. We'll leave it there on the soon-to-be Super Bowl champion Minnesota Vikings. I'll let you decide what soon is. We'll talk some uh, – let's start with the gopher pucksters, Judd. You know one of my loves, gopher, gopher oh, yeah. hockey. And, Judd, I am giddy with excitement that the mooch to a degree is back. Mm-hmm. It's back, baby. <laughs> Loud, boisterous crowds. I still see too many empty seats for games that are allegedly sold out. Again, I'll put the plea out there. If you own a company, you have tickets that you're not using, your employees aren't using them, you can find me on Twitter at Brendel Ross. I will gladly go and use your company's seats. Judd, you just don't know with college hockey. I think there are some flaws in this gopher hockey team that could hurt them come tournament time, mainly size and youth. However, pound for pound when it comes to talent, yep. I'm not sure there's a more talented team in college hockey. Fair? I think that's a, yeah, I, I think that's incredibly fair. I think that they are their their high end guys are so high end. It's I, I so fun to watch when they're playing well. I think that's a very fair statement. Um and yeah, I mean the problem, well, good or bad, the issue is probably a better word than problem with the sport is single elimination playoffs, right? Yep. yep. You know, Bob knows that well. Bob knows that well. Puck goes off a guy's breezer. It goes in. You lose an overtime. You know, it's not a series, which makes it more difficult. Uh, But yes, it does feel like what the, I I believe the Michigan State series technically sold out. The Michigan games seem like they were raucous crowds, which is fantastic. Um, And the upper echelon, I'm trying to think of the last time this team had this much talent. And I'm not, to, I'm not talking about like, oh, they're good. They're, you know, that's, I'm talking about like NHL ready talent. Brock Faber is, you know who I absolutely love? Snuggerud. Yeah. Dave Snuggerud's kid, what, Jimmy? What a player. What a shot. Uh, that first line with Cooley and Snuggerud and, and, and I, I mean, that's scary stuff, man. I mean, the Toronto fans with, with Matthew Nyes are, you know, salivating. Uh, I, I've seen talk that, you know, the one guy or one guy that, you know, you can't put in a trade deadline deal for a Maple Leafs team that's good, really good, and it hasn't won a cup since 1967 is Matthew Nice. So I think your assessment's dead on. I it, it is a really fun, talented team. Now you run into a team, you know, like, like and this team is better than that one, but was it 2014 or so? that they went and played in the Frozen Four in Philly. Yes. And, yep. and played Union, which was full of like 25-year-olds. Yeah, that was the it, national championship game. Yeah, and I was there, and they literally kicked their ass. Like, like I'm not talking about scoring-wise. That, too, I'm talking about they kicked their butt. So your assessment might be right, but this is a fun team, and I really hope that Bob can win this year. Because, I mean, you know, poor Bob's been through so much. Yes, yeah. Off the ice, especially. But, I mean, he's a good coach. I love what he's done. It would be really fun to see this team end a drought that's now at what, Roscoe? 18 years, 19 years? 2003. So, I mean, are we pushing 20 years, technically? And and to your point, Judd, uh, Bob, one, just seems like a good guy. He's good in the community. By all accounts, he's good with his players. He's had a lot of personal tragedy, 
But to what you said, the guys put in the work. I mean, he had teams oh, yeah. that, he had teams at St. Cloud that probably should have won national championships and didn't because of what you talked about. Maybe some puck luck, you know, the one versus 16 year where they were one. He lost to the number 16, which can yep. easily happen to anybody. But it's happened to him more so than a lot of guys. But it was good to see them make that jump to the Frozen Four last year. And I think a guy like him, you know, there's certain quarterbacks in the NFL as their career starts to wind down. You do kind of cheer for if they don't have a championship. I always felt that way about Phillip Rivers. I always thought it would have been nice to see him win one. I think it would have been nice to see Matt Ryan win one, and that's probably not going to happen. But Bob, Bob for a coach, is kind of in that same category in college hockey, just like Bruce Boudreau in the NHL. But I love talking gopher hockey, so thank you for humoring me there and making me feel good. Because now the negativity. I am never going to run a guy out of town who takes over a program after two years, even if he was handed, in this case, Ben Johnson, even if he was handed a team that went to the NCAA tournament every year, I would still give you probably three years. Uh I'll say all that to say this. If the Gopher basketball team doesn't win minimum five conference games next year, probably six or seven, Ben Johnson will not be given a fourth year at the University of Minnesota. He has to already know that by now. And Judd, you can already see it amongst the crowd. If you're not a gopher basketball diehard, nobody's going and nobody cares. It is yeah. it yeah. is that apathetic right now. And it is, Judd, I don't love ripping on college players, but at this point now they're they're semi-professionals, especially with NIL. It's yeah. a really bad product right now. Really bad. Really bad. It's really, really sad because I I go back to, so I, I of course, grew up and still loved the sport of hockey. But going back to 1989, I remember starting to regularly go to the barn. I was 19, okay? And that was the year that that Clem's Gophers started to take off. And they they beat Marcus Liberty and number one, Illinois, in a game at which it for the first time I said, and I, and I had, I've said this for years. I don't know. I still do, but I said it for years when it's full and rocking. The barn is the best venue in this town. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's fun. Um, And look, I mean, this is not a Ben Johnson thing. This, this program in the last 20 plus years has had a lot of downs post Clem. I mean, there've been some, Judd, there's been e- some fun, but even, a lot of downs. And even before that, Judd, historically, they make the NCAA tournament about once every four years. Yeah. So you do need to have, and I'm guilty of this too, but you do need to have a bit of an understand, understanding of your lot in life. I'm not saying you can be a tournament team or that you should be a tournament team every four years, that it shouldn't be better. But what I am saying is right now, historically, that's what it is. So you do have to view it with those glasses on to the best of your ability. Now, but here's why I'm out, and here's, and I'm not just out on the Gophers, college basketball. All right, the NILs, according to Patrick Royce, the Gophers have zero NIL money coming in. There's one kid, the transfer, I think he's out hurt, transfer from one of the Dakota schools, who had, um, who had an Parker NIL. Fox. Yes, Parker Fox had a deal that he brought with him, but as far as the money coming in for players, zero. Um, and the other thing is with the ability to transfer now and the ability to, ba- to to basically play for eight years or so, I have no hope. 
Because, okay, let's say you fire Ben. Number one, if you don't write a big check to get a big-time coach, you got no chance. Even if you do, who stays? Like Ben Johnson, who I have I have no reason not to believe that he's a really good guy, okay? I don't know a thing about him, but, I, but the things I've read is he's a really good guy. But when you look at the amount of kids when he got that job who jumped ship immediately, they, they, I don't know if they gave him a chance or not. They jumped ship. And then right now, what do we hear, Roscoe? Well, wait for the two kids coming in next year. They got The recruits are going to start to come in. And that's all well and good. But guess what? They might get here for a year and say, hold on a second. This isn't what I signed up and for. I'm out of here. And then they can leave and immediately be eligible. My point is, like college basketball, because of this, has largely just flat out lost me. But when it comes to the golfers, tell me how you're going to change it because kids are going to either go, you know, if the Evans kid from California is as good as they say, he might go pro, but let's say he's not, you think he's going to sit here for three or four years while this thing turns, or do you think he's going to go to a school like a Duke or something after a year and say, sorry, Ben, this wasn't what I expected. So I'm out. Well, and Judd, on the the Christie and the Evans kids coming in next year, who by and large are allegedly really good recruits, do you know at this point, we've even exchanged texts on this, can either one of us say definitively if we think Ben Johnson can really coach? No, so I, that's a whole other yeah, thing. I so that, no yeah, so that's, I'm not saying he can't. I, I'm just saying I don't know if we know if he can. Boy, I've had some real word salads this podcast. Um, the, other no thi- the other thing, too, Judd, is this recruiting class, albeit not as good as the Christie and Evans kid next year, this recruiting class was supposed to be pretty good. And I get their freshmen and they're all playing way too much. I get that. But they all look lost. Almost everyone outside of Pharrell Payne looks lost. And so, then you factor in Jamison Battle and Dawson Garcia. I text my buddy all the time. Hi, Brandon. He's a big uh, gopher basketball guy, season ticket holder. I don't know what they're doing on offense. They don't even run an offense. What, right. what are they doing half the time? I don't well, know. And that's the same complaint, complaint that I saw with Patino as well. Dawson Garcia is on his third team, okay? Third program. You're not on your third program if you're really good. Like, you are bouncing around. He he is the equivalent of what we're now going to see, which is college journeyman, which is really, really pathetic. Yes, yeah, it's really sad um, if you think about it. Because it feels like he's 40 now. But the reality is this, too. So, for the two recruits coming in, let's say they're damn good. If they don't declare for the draft, all right, there is very little chance that those two recruits are going to fill up the barn next winter. So after playing in a building that I love dearly when it's filled, but that is a dank, cold building when it's not, after playing a year and teams start to recruit you because you're going to get re-recruited, right? Yep. Are with, you telling With are cash you so, offers. Exactly. Yep. With NIL money. So are you telling me that when a school comes to me and says, hey, Dennis Evans, look, that, you know, fine choice. You tried. But we here at Duke can give you a lot more. And by the way, they actually can. Are you going to stay here? Like, that's my question. Is how, yeah, does the cycle, I mean, how does the cycle end in 2023? I mean, you you might stay, but I think the odds are much greater that you go. On the collective, and I, I think we'll leave it here because I, I, I promise to be very uh, time sensitive with you. On the NIL, I actually thought... When this started, I thought there was two ways that this could go. 
One, it's not going to change much. That was one thought. The rich are going to get richer. The the football comparison. The Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Georgias, they're just going to stay the same because they have all the money. Nothing will really change. You can make that argument, okay? But then I also made the argument the other way. If you're Minnesota and prior to NIL, all we've ever heard from multiple coaches is, this is a great place to come play. Fortune 500 companies. The minute you leave, you'll have a job. Yep. Okay, well, we have an NIL collective here. Why are we not going to the 3Ms, the Lando Lakes, the Best Buys, the Targets, and saying, hey, give us $2 million, give us $5 million. You know, what? Why are we not blatantly asking these companies for money and dumping it into that collective so the University of Minnesota, which, again, has all these more Fortune 500s per capita than any other place in the country, if my memory serves me right, who needs to be in charge at the at the athletic department well, to put this together and go beg for that money? Because there is a world in name, image, and likeness, Judd, where I think Gophers athletics could thrive. But somebody has to put that together and beg and plead and get this money. Who's to say they're not, though? Like, that's the thing is, yes, there are a lot of rich people and rich companies, and this is a white-collar town. But all of that being said, here's your problem. The Gopher sports program on the pecking order in this town is very, very low. So like if I'm, excuse me, if I'm Best Buy, right? It's not like we're in Alabama. It's not like we're in Gainesville. Where that's, Madison, where that's, Wisconsin. Yeah, where yeah. that's the game, where, 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 where the Gophers would be the game. You know, here I'm investing in different things. I might be investing in different programs. So I wouldn't assume that the Gophers and their athletic supporters aren't going to these people. I'm curious if these people rightfully so are like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do a drop in the bucket to keep a basketball player or something like that when I can invest in different things. And by, and by the way, you know, if you came through with a massive investment in Gopher basketball, what's really going to get you one day of publicity well, I think you have to factor in other things too, right? Like your your five million dollars is also getting you your logo on the court. You know, it's it's got to be more than just you're buying right. goodwill from a kid. I mean, we've sort of got that, right? Yeah, I mean, we've sort of got that with Huntington Bank, which is the old what TCF Bank. I just I think you put it perfectly, which is Gopher Sports for the most part is so off the radar because this town is so big. It's got every professional sport, and the reality is this. Um, as far as the sports fans go, there's only so much attention to go around here. Like the Vikings yeah. are king. And after that, I mean, I, I don't think the twins are in exceptionally good shape with their fans. Do you? No, not at all. And they're a professional baseball they've, team. They've lost Declan, I believe. That's how, yep. that, that's how. I'm just saying it's a very, it's a very interesting topic, but I do think that the direction college basketball has gone, has done everything it possibly can to alienate the type of support that you're talking about other than that diehard old school gopher fan. Well, and not only when you say old school gopher fan, it's right in that sentence, old. Yep. <laughs> you know, I think that's been a go- hunting, gopher forever. Huntington it's- Bank Stadium, Judd, I've noticed it in the last decade. It has turned. Is it where it needs to be? No, but I think you've probably noticed it's a yep. it's a younger, more youthful, youthful group than it ever has been, but it's still probably yep. not as good as it needs to be. I got I lied. I got two very quick things for you. Classic Ross. Yeah. Uh tell me, is Matt Dumba gonna be traded? 
I think he will be. I think he will be. I think Brock Faber, a right-handed, a right-shot defenseman from the Gophers, will, um, once that season is done, join the Wild and step in immediately. But yes, I think they will get what they can because he's not coming back, and I don't know that he's doing enough to justify allowing him to walk. If Now, here's the big if, though, if they can get something for him. His value is very low. So don't assume that you would get much. Um, and it wouldn't be a detriment to keep him around, I don't think, because, you know, I think his teammates really like him and he wears a letter. But all of that being said, I think if they can leverage something for him, he will be traded. Here's a very random question for you. I don't know why I thought of this. And if you have no answer, that's entirely fine. I, after searching for literal years, Judd, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. One of my nerd dumb things that I do and they have no value, so it's literally a waste of money. I love collecting pocket schedules, okay? Oh, yeah. It took me for took me years to find it, but I finally found a Minnesota Fighting Pike pocket schedule. And I got oh, it. And I got it, it for like five American dollars with shipping. Yep. What can you tell me? What do you remember about the Minnesota Fighting Pike? Do you remember well, anything? Oh, heck yeah. For- First of all, I, I still have, and it was one season, right? Yeah, just one season. I still have the media guy. Yes. <laughs> Second of all, I covered a game against, I want to say it was Orlando. I freelanced it for a paper down there. And so I covered it. I covered one game. I think I went to one game, sat in the press box at Target Center with the hot tub in the end zone. <laughs> um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Ricky Foggy was the quarterback. Yep. Of course, the former gopher great who was outstanding when I was a kid. Do you remember the place uh, kicker? Um, was it Mike Vanderjack? It was. You know, yeah. It was Peyton Manning's a liquored up idiot kicker, yeah. Mike Vanderjack. Who, went, who, went on, who, by, who, by the way, with the Colts was outstanding. Yes. Yep. In Good. Fact, I love this in, poll. Great. I'm glad I asked fact, you. Roscoe, check this out. How about this one? This is, is a Minnesota, Minnesota Kicks. It's a Minnesota Kicks season or a ticket brochure. Back when you had the stadium layout right oh, there. Oh, look at that. You've got the savings. Let's see here. Tickets were. Uh, oh, I don't even want to know. It's going to make me sad. Buy one of our new eight game mini seasons. You get it? For like 50, what? 56, 40, or 30 bucks. You can get to eight games for 30 bucks. Uh, a season ticket, just a normal one. The best seat, one hundred dollars and eighty cents, down to fifty-four bucks. An individual ticket, the most expensive at Metropolitan Stadium for a kicks game, was seven dollars. I think See? you. And there's a schedule right there. I Russell. think you'd be happy to know, Judd. I do have a couple Minnesota kick schedules. Also, I know you're a big lacrosse guy. You were a big Minnesota Swarm guy, weren't you? Well, Phil and I sp- were were part of the were part of the. Uh, they they sponsored us. I, I guess. Oh really? Yeah, I don't even remember that. Great. Yeah, in, fact, in fact, we were. Did you get a jersey? We, uh, yeah, I think we did. And we went to midfield one time before a game, and we're introduced. No one had any clue who we were, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't think not to not to like put stereotypes or generalizations on people. That crowd probably not a lot of sports overlap they're just no. they're just they're just well, it was families because it was relatively cheap and the score would be like 21 16 yeah so it was great judd you're the best i really appreciate it thanks thanks for doing this we didn't even get to what i wanted to talk about but i'll give you 30 seconds okay i actually really have enjoyed season 22 of law and order and i'm gonna do my best 
reenactment of my favorite scene. I'm going to play two people here, and I'm going to clarify who I'm playing, okay? Okay. At first, I, I'm Hugh Dancy oh, yep. to Jack McCoy. Hugh yep. Dancy, of course, plays Nolan Price, one of the prosecutors. Yep. He looks at Jack and says, Jack, we will get a conviction. You have my word on it. And Jack says, I don't care about your word, Nolan. I care about the conviction. <laughs> Such yep. a great, I love, it was one of the episodes where Jack didn't look half dead. And I say that lovingly because he's, he's 81 years old. He's looked a little bit better. He, um, yeah. So here's my. So I, I've I've watched about three ep- episodes. I think I watched the last one on my DVR a couple of days ago. Uh, my assessment is this: I think the cops now are pretty good. Um, the new cop works much better yes. with Burn yes. Notice guy than Anthony Anderson. Burn Notice guy. I love. That. I like That's the cops way more. I don't think they're perfect, um, but I think that 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 tandem or that duo is good yeah. uh hugh dancy and and his uh his ada partner yeah drive me drive me crazy see i think hugh's okay i think they're actually okay but what i think you and i agree on is they ask them to be to get too personal and let like yeah. personal stuff affect how yeah. they want to try a case and you and i know that's not how law and order works that's also not how it works in the real world Exactly. And and they well, just and she's always trying to like like she she's gotten her way on stuff. It's like this would never happen. Like and and like um Price's character, like what I loved about McCoy and Schiff was Schiff at times would say, No, you can't do right. Yeah. Uh um McCoy now objects but he to gives what in Price wants to do, but he never says yeah, no. He's a pushover. And 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 the other thing too is and I've seen this twice. I think there was an episode last year where at the end or at some point in time, Price's character sees a guy get shot who who just testified. And in the last one I saw, he goes to a guy's house to tell him about the unfortunate verdict. And the guy's ODing. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. The ADAs aren't doing that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I got to go talk to him. Oh my God, he's dying. 911, we need an ambulance. That's not how this works. You know, I mean, how many times did Ben Stone, like when Ben Stone resigned, one of the great episodes was he was informed his witness had been killed. That's how it works. You're not there to see it. Like the cops, I, I cops I get, right? But like, it's like Hugh Dancy's character is ma- and, is the man about town. Oh, you got shot. Call an ambulance. Well, the beauty of Law & Order always is they make it out like that's their only case. Then they're just waiting for the next one. A real DA, a real prosecutor has hundreds of cases at one time. Um, burn notice guy, uh, Jeffrey Donovan, I think he's really settled into his role. He's less he's rigid. And yeah. I do owe you an apology, then we'll, we'll get out of here. You can actually hear the music playing. Uh, Judd, you were right. You are 100% right. The reason why I thought Serena Sutherland was good at her job was because she was hot. I've rewatched a few episodes in the last couple of weeks. Uh, she wasn't good. Oh, yeah. she's terrible. Yeah, I know. And, and you're right. You can literally tell they just gave her the line, and then she just reads the line. Oh, you are right, Jack. Why don't we go talk to... Yeah, she's terrible. So you were right on that. I apologize. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. She's still gorgeous. Thanks, She's still gorgeous. Well, yeah, that's... I didn't <laughs> say she was. Uh, that's John Zolgad, at Jay Zolgad on the Twitter machine. I almost made up a podcast for you. I don't know why that was. Mackie and John Purple Daily. 
parts in between as well. Jay Zolgat on the Twitter machine. Thanks, Judd. Thank you, Roscoe. That'll do it for edition number 153 of Minnesota Sports Chat. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review. Rate and review kindly. Tell your friends all about Minnesota Sports Chat. I'm back next week. We'll talk primarily, mainly, exclusively hockey with Jesse Pierce from the Bar Down Beauties pod, but also of Purple Dailies before we die. That's next week on Minnesota Sports Chat. I'm Ross Brendel. Thank you so much for listening.